official Jets podcast is presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. Eric Allen here at One Jets Drive. Now joined by one of the directors of Flight 23 Ascension, Seth Bradley. Seth, thanks so much for coming up here. I want to take people behind the scenes. That was one of the things I was thinking about is you went through this entire process throughout the offseason to get Ascension off the ground, <laughs> literally, figuratively. What was Thursday night like for you as far as when that starts streaming at 8 p.m.? Are you watching it? Because <laughs> you spent countless hours yeah. going through this process to get it ready. At like at 8 o'clock, when everybody else is taking it in for the first time, what are you doing? Well, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It's, you know, Thursday night at 8 p.m., I would say – you want to take a breath and just kind of enjoy um, the reaction everyone's going to have to the episode. But I think from a crew standpoint, which, you know, we put so many hours into it, we watch it so many times, I think by, you know, 8 p.m. on Thursday, we just want to let the fans enjoy it. You know, I, I probably won't watch it till maybe like a day or two later. Um, I caught the episode actually on SNY on Saturday. But <laughs> the the reality is, like, by the time it comes out, you're just hoping there's not a mistake in it or something because you want the episode to be absolutely perfect. And I think, um, you know, you just want to kind of enjoy seeing that reaction from the fans, which that's the best part for us. What have you thought of the reaction uh, from the fans to date? It's been awesome. You know, I, th I think the whole thing with, you know, acquiring Aaron Rodgers and everything, you know, I think throughout the offseason, it was just one of those things where – you didn't really ever feel like it was really going to happen or it was real. And you kind of, you know, the Pat McAfee show happens and there's so many different moments throughout the off season. You know, we just really wanted to kind of capture that and tell that story in a way that, you know, hopefully obviously the season's going to go the way everybody wants it here. But I think, you know, 20 to 30 years down the road, I would love for a fan to be able to turn that on and say like, this is the story of, you know, the Jets acquiring a Hall of Fame quarterback. And, you know, I think to see such positive reaction, I'm just – I'm really happy for our crew because I think, you know, the the reality is it's not the most glamorous process to get to 8 p.m. on Thursday. You <laughs> you work so many hours, you know, you're really working when nobody's watching, you know, to get this done. And I think, you know, our crew does such a great job of just putting their head down and, and you know, putting so much passion and, and effort into this that, you know, I think it's just – it's very rewarding for us to see, and I'm just glad the fans had such a positive reaction to it. How much footage did you have to collect? And then also, can you talk about the challenges of bringing that down to 46 minutes in change? And then you mentioned the SNY airing. The other thing you have to do is not just the 46 minutes in change, is that you have to make it into a TV show window. So if you're watching on SNY or CBS – you're more in the 1955 range. Yeah, well, one of our editors, uh, Bobby Doherty, is you know one of the best in the business. He's the one back there cutting it up for you know so many different platforms. And you know he was here late on Friday. You know after the episode got out on Thursday, you know delivering it for SNY and CBS. It runs as well. So you know I think there's just like a lot of things people wouldn't see about you know how that process even goes. But you know I think. Um, you know, it's it's cool to see it, you know, on the broadcast platform. You know, I think, you know, it's great what what's happened with YouTube and, you know, how crazy it goes. But when you turn on and you see the guy that says it's going to be on SNY and they'll run it a ton and CBS as well, 
you know, it's really kind of cool to see it on, on so many different platforms, but you know, I think in terms of the hours of footage, it's, it's hundreds of hours of footage that, you know, we go through in the course of an off season, you know? So I think really from the moment that, you know, coach Sala and Joe Douglas and, you know, Woody kind of come out and say, Hey, we're going to go after a veteran quarterback. You know, we immediately know, like, you know, the quarterback is going to be the number one story, you know, of the entire off season. And it's, it's pretty crazy to think, you know, this story kind of became bigger than the Jets. It kind of became bigger than the NFL. I think it was one of the historically one of the biggest acquisitions in, in the history of sports in terms of the amount of coverage it was getting. So it's more than just, you know, really like what we're shooting on a daily basis, which our guys, you know, are the best cinematographers, but it's also kind of being aware of, you know, who else is talking about us, what's being said. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've fired off a text to, you know, Austin Siebel, one of our main editors and producers, or, or Bobby or whoever, and just said, like, hey, like, you know, this happened on Good Morning Football, or, you know, I heard this on ESPN Radio, and, you know, you kind of, like, store things away, and you're you're not even sure if you're really going to get to use it or not, but it's, um, you know, I think if I walked a fan through what the show looks like in terms of our editing software and things like that, they'd, they'd be pretty amazed at the amount of stuff that's actually in there. That's what I was going to ask you as far as using – the external media, whether it's a Mike Greenberg or Peter Schrager, Colin Coward, or maybe somebody from ESPN New York here, 98.7, a Dan Graza. How do you go about finding all those clips or listening to those clips? Like, do you ever have a shutoff valve? Or when you get in your car... Are you turning on ESPN 98.7 and listening to Michael K? Much like the next morning, yeah. are you watching Kellerman, Jay Will, and Keyshawn to see if they have anything to say? Because like you just said, everybody was talking about Aaron Rodgers and the Jets from the jump this offseason. Yeah, it's definitely kind of a needle in a haystack thing. It's like I, I do try to shut it off sometimes and not listen to the sports radio or you know turn on – you know, get up in the morning or good morning football. But the reality is, like, especially in the case of this offseason, everybody was talking about the Jets every single day. So I think, you know, if we're trying to find something, I mean, for one, you know, Ira from Staten Island is going to call into ESPN radio every single morning. So you're like, well, if we need a fan that's going to call in, you know, it's going to be him. Or, right. you know, there's going to be a ton of, you know, Boomer, Geo, ESPN radio, wherever. It's like the phone lines are, are always going to be, you know, popping. So, you know, I think it's just kind of having an awareness of saying like, hey, like, you know, I heard something that, you know, potentially we could use down the road. Um, a lot of times it's just, you know, it's a it's a blessing and a curse. I have a pretty good memory of like saying like, hey, like somebody said this back in January. Somebody said, said this in February. But you also kind of had to be – the one thing I didn't want to have happen with this episode was – just telling the story of the day Rodgers came in, I wanted the buildup of, okay, like this is what happened from January, right. you know, to that moment. And then, you know, obviously the moment he arrives. So I think, you know, that that's really what we were trying to do. And I think it's, you know, I had a couple of people text me and say, like, you guys really built up the suspense. Like I was like reliving it again. And I know it kind of probably brings back some anxious moments for fans, but I think that was the whole idea is like, you know, this – I don't think I've ever been a part of a moment here, and I don't know if you have either. You know, you can, you can um, relate to maybe like the Brett Favre trade yeah. or things like that. But you know, I think having the media talk about the Jets every single day was something I've 
never really been a part of here. Yeah, the, the Favre trade was incredible, incredible because you're talking about that happening in August of 2008. Like, the Jets were literally playing a preseason game against the Cleveland Browns, and here shows up Brett Favre in Cleveland, and literally the next day they had a news conference at City Hall. Mike Bloomberg was the mayor, and Favre received the key to the city. But just think about the timing on that is that he gets traded in August. You're opening up a season in September. So the difference between that one, too, is the way people consume in the media, right? It used to be radio and newspaper, Newspaper, radio, and television, and then cable TV was big with ESPN and SportsCenter. Now everybody's consuming content differently, and they're taking it in at the moment. And then you also have the birth of the long-form documentary that the league has always done a good job in, I think, when we talk about series like Hard Knocks or Steve Sable, what he's he did over the years. Um, but you guys historically, I think Joe Douglas said this is a historical trade for the franchise, but you just mentioned that, hey, this is just an historical move that kind of transcends sports, that you're getting a future Hall of Fame quarterback here after 18 years in Green Bay, and then you have this merge of all these different platforms covering it at the same time. Um, Robert Sala. You guys get into his car with him. How many people are in that kind of shoot? And can you talk about setting that up and what time of day that happened and how Sala was with you guys? Yeah. Now, Coach Sala has always been great. You know, I think, um, you know, it's really been kind of cool to see the way this thing has been built the last couple of years with him and Joe. Uh, but in terms of, you know, a car interview like that, um, we had three people in the car. We have two shooters um, and a producer. I'm in the back. And, you know, it's just – it's pretty much like it seems. It's, it's an early morning ride to work. Um, you know, coach gets up early, gets here early. So, um, you know, we're there and ready to roll. But, um, like I said, you know, I think, you know, coach from the day he walked in, he preached, you know, building this thing the right way with, you know, hiring the right people on his staff. And the same with Joe. And I think – we felt that from a production standpoint, you know, I think everybody's so great to work with, you know, I think you want to root for everybody here. Cause you know, you feel it every day. Like you, it's just different, you know? And I thought, you know, um, as you know, like it's from the day coach walked in the building when he got hired, it just, everything seemed to kind of change with the way everything felt. And then obviously to now seeing, you know, Aaron come in, it's like, man like it's because of what they built and I think you know you felt that from the beginning how do you determine as a storyteller when to use your voice or a producer's voice as far as the transition is concerned and also when to use maybe that external media voice that helps you weave the story together yeah no I think it's a fine balance you know I think sometimes when you're telling a story like this you know, you feel like, okay, like for the viewer to truly understand, you know, where this message is coming from, you might need to hear the question or you might need to hear a reporter question in a press conference or um, it's just really kind of the art of storytelling. You kind of have to, you know, pick and choose like, 
you know, obviously, like, in an ideal scenario, we might not use my voice at all, you know, because we use narration, which Rich Eisen's narrating the show. But um, in some cases, it just – you feel like you need it. You feel like you need to – and to me, like, car interviews in particular are, like – I've always felt like they're some of the best access you can get to somebody because I think like it's just a very intimate setting to kind of hear somebody's thoughts. And, and you know, I think hearing coach Sala talk about Aaron Rodgers was, um, you know, one of the unique parts of the production process for me, because I think when you're talking about somebody with an incredible defensive mind, you know, that, that came up through the league ranks as a defensive, you know, defensive coach and then a defensive coordinator in San Francisco, I think, hearing him talk about what he sees when he, you know, watches Aaron play is pretty special. And I wanted to make sure there was a moment in the show where you had a chance to hear, you know, why, you know, what coach Sala thinks about Aaron Rodgers and the way he plays the game. So I think with a, you know, a producer question, sometimes you just need to put it in there to kind of say like, this really is going to set the scene or it's going to be a dramatic bite in the show or, um, but that, that's really how we get to that point. Yeah, I thought it was real cool the way he was talking about, like you you were just mentioning that, hey, Salah for so many years saw the game through that defensive coordinator's eyes or the defensive assistant's eyes where he's going toe-to-toe against Rodgers. And he talked to, to you about the two-minute, how he's always run two-minute. He's the guy calling the plays and how much stress that he puts on a defense. Now – Speaking of Rodgers, so one of the things that you tweeted about recently was his presence. Yeah. What was it like for you day one when he comes in here, does the news conference, and then he sits down with, uh, sits down with you guys in the field house? Yeah, it was really cool. You know, I think for everybody in the building that day, it was such a, you know, a special day for, you know, our entire staff and really the, the whole organization. But, you know, I think – for our crew in particular, it was such a, you know, unique moment when he was going to sit down to do that first interview. And, um, you know, I think Jets fans and, you know, really kind of got to see um, Will Hahn in terms of miking him up. You yep. know, he's one of our great producers. And Rogers kind of says, like, nah, like, I don't want to be miked. And, and then we, we all kind of just take a moment. And then we realize he's joking. And he says, like, you know, come on back. And it was just such a cool moment. You know, we, we, we kind of put that in the show because – it just really like it was like man like he's just a cool dude you know like we just kind of like sat down at that point we said like all right like this is we're really doing this this is going to be great but I think like it's a moment really for me and I'm sure for the rest of our crew you you'll remember forever you'll tell your kids about you'll tell your grandkids about like the day you know Aaron Rodgers came in the building um it was such a unique thing and I think you know, it's it's few times in your life you'll be around somebody with a presence like that that really just, you know, you just feel it like, man, like this guy, 18 years in the NFL, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback coming to the Jets. Um, I, I just – it didn't even really, like, feel like it was real. And then we kind of, like, watched the episode back, and then we kind of said, like, man, like this is kind of cool to, like, relive all of this and have this documented this way. I liked when he told you guys that – Hey, listen, when I'm in, I'm all in. So if I'm going to do something, it's like, F yeah, I think yeah. was the phrase that he used. So you got that sense on day one when he was speaking to you guys or when he was down there in the auditorium that he was genuinely excited to be here. 
this was your first time meeting him. Yeah. How would you describe him? Man, it, it like blew away any expectation I think I even had. Like, I guess like you don't really know really what to expect from somebody, you know, coming in the building, you know, for the first time and with the pedigree of, you know, someone like that. But I think when you heard the conviction in his voice of, you know, wanting to play for the Jets and, you know, wanting to be here and, you know, wanting to bring another, you know, Super Bowl championship to the Jets, it's just, it's one of those things where I think, you know, all fans really kind of just said like, wow, like this is really like happening. And, um, you know, I think you got the, the sense when he was on Pat McAfee, like, man, like he's all in on the Jets. But I think you saw it that first day, like, man, like this is really why, like he always truly wanted to be a Jet, you know. And I think, you know, it's it's such a cool thing. And it's such a testament to Joe and Robert and everything they've kind of built up that, you know, he's coming in day one and saying like, you know, this is what we're going to do. And I think I think fans really felt that during the press conference too. I think it was such a, it was just such a unique day. You know, I think it's it's, it's a day I will always remember, and I'm sure you know everybody in the organization will. Can you talk about the genesis of adding a lot of fan generated content in there? Because yeah. there's a lot of people out there now who are running their own media sites per se, um, especially over social media. And with that being said. Not only that, but can you talk about the genesis of diehards? Yeah. Be, because you're bringing, I think, fans closer to the organization now. Yeah, I think, you know, Jets fans in particular, it's like I've never been around a group quite like them. And, you know, I think as the, as the offseason kind of went on, I think we kind of knew with the Jets going after a quarterback, it was going to be a very unique offseason for the fans. You mm-hmm. know, I think in a – normal off season, there's so much hype around the team and, you know, Jets Twitter and, you know, our fans are just always at a fever pitch. You know, they always have so much optimism. And I think when we hit the off season, it was like, man, like there's a real unique opportunity here to show some of this story through the eyes of a fan. And I think um, this Aaron Rodgers, you know, pursuit is kind of embodies what this fan base is all about. It was kind of cool to see, you know, different pinpoints of the off season where they really kind of, you know, you know, the Pat McAfee interview and, you know, different parts where, you know, the Jets flying out to California is a day I'll never forget in terms of like the excitement and the build up to, to everything that was going on. Cause at that point in time, like no one really knew what was happening. It's like, Hey, the Jets are going to fly out there and it sends Twitter into a frenzy. So I think with, you know, flight 23, you know, we did the We've done a couple episodes of the Diehards, and that series will continue into the season. We'll have an opportunity to showcase like a lot of unique fan personalities. But I think in in Flight Twenty Three, you know, we kind of made the call like, hey, like, you know, a lot of this is still about the fans. You yeah. know, this is like such an exciting exciting time, and we kind of wanted to give them their moment where it was like, hey, like, the day the you know the trade broke, the news. I'll never forget where I was in that moment. I'm sure you'll never forget where you were. It was like, it was one of those things where you want to kind of capture like what that actual the emotion of that moment and I think that's why we wanted to kind of showcase some of those fans is it cool for you to not only feature the fans but feature uh, some people within the organization like uh, what I liked about this recent episode among many things was you talking to the ticketing department kind of giving like a behind the scenes look how this all has impacted them yeah, it's like, you know, as you know, EA, it's, you know, this organization, regardless of how the team has been performing over the years, there's a ton of people that put everything they have into this organization every single day. 
And I think, you know, it's been kind of cool to see just, you know, the excitement in the building, you know, with everything that's happened this off season, you, you feel it in the building, you know, everything was kind of building to this trade, but it's like, you know, when you have the realization, like, Hey, like this is really going to happen. There's just so much excitement around it and it affects everybody in the, in here. Yeah. So, you know, I think we really wanted to just kind of capture, you know, what it's like for somebody working in here. Cause it, you know, is, it's a great day for not just the fans. It's a great day for, you know, the team. It's a great day for everybody working here as well. So, um, you know, we really just kind of wanted to shed some light on, you know, how it kind of, you know, can affect not just, you know, the team and the players and the coaching staff. It can affect, like, really everybody and the excitement around it. So it was really cool to, to, to feature Fitzy and his crew and, you know, all the hard work that they do. Jets fans, we're in our final push and the clock is ticking. WinBet is giving you a golden opportunity to win VIP prizes for the 2023 season. The WinBet Green Room is the most exclusive space at the stadium with all-inclusive food and beverage, lower-level seats, and appearances by Jets legends and celebrities. New Jersey customers, all you need to do is wager at least $100 on WinBet Sportsbook or Casino. For New York customers, all you need to do is wager at least $100 on WinBet's Sportsbook. The best part? You get an entry for every $100 you wager. Let's preview episode two. What is happening next? Because you basically just slayed the dragon. You basically came out of the gate really hot. You just knocked out Mike Tyson. What's next? And can you talk about that challenge for you and the fellas yeah. to, okay, maybe not match the excitement level of Rogers' arrival? Because that's, yeah. frankly, that's impossible. Yeah. But it, but can you talk about how you still want to tell the story of the offseason while continuing to hammer home that Rodgers is here and he's part of OTAs, but also Flight 23, Ascension, is about the totality of what's happening with the team? Yeah, it's a, it's honestly it's a huge challenge. I mean, you just kind of summed it up. It's, it's really hard to kind of, you know, take a breath and say, like, okay, like how are we going to – you know, matches or keep keep the momentum of the show going because it is really a challenge when you think of a moment in history like that. You know, documenting it, but I do think episode two is is very unique and a fan is going to really enjoy it. You know, because it's going to focus on the draft, which I think um, as kind of everything was happening with you know the Aaron Rodgers trade, we were still documenting in the draft meetings. We were still you know had a bunch of cameras in the draft room on draft night. So I think, you know, fans are going to get a really cool inside look at, you know, Joe and his staff and, and the coaching staff and, and what kind of led to these selections with Will McDonald, Joe Tittman, um, and the rest of these picks. So I think, um, you know, I, I think for, like, people that really love the draft and the inner workings and seeing, you know, kind of like behind the curtain, I think this episode is really going to do that justice. You know, I think the – the unique part about flight is that last year, you know, it was all about the draft, you know, with how many draft picks we had and the in the big moment was episode four when, you know, the Jets get three first round picks and then they ultimately get Brees and just, you know, Joe working the the phones and it all kind of built up to that moment. This year it's a little bit different because of, you know, the quarterback search and we had to kind of cap you know, we wanted to make sure we hit everybody out of the gate with, you know, Aaron Rodgers. But I do think you know, one of the coolest parts about this show is seeing the conviction, you know, this staff has and seeing these guys work. And I think 
there's some really unique moments in the draft room with Joe, um, you know, prior pick 15 and leading up to the Joe Tittman pick that I think fans are really going to like because there's nothing quite like seeing Joe work on draft, right? Like he's in such his ele- he's in his element and he has such command of the room that I think, you know, it's such a cool inside look for fans to see. So episode two, you're taking us from Thursday to Saturday. Is this entirely – the 2023 draft. Yeah, it's going to pretty much take you through the draft in totality. Um, you know, I think it's just going to be, you know, really, really unique look. And we we actually, you know, one of my favorite parts about the episode is fans are going to get an inside look at, you know, Kyle, the kid who made, you know, our first round selection. Um, the day he did the the press conference here, you know, he met a ton of the staff and he was he was in the building. And I think fans are going to get a really unique look at who he is as a person and, you know, his family. And I think that's, you know, going to be, it's just kind of, you know, the, the drama of the draft and everything like that, it really provides perspective of, you know, what's, you know, important in life and, you know, taking a moment to kind of learn who he is as a person before he made that pick, you know, and, and you know, I think it's kind of cool to see everything come full circle because then you see, will at his house you know watching kyle make the pick and there's there's some really cool moments in this episode i think um i think fans will get a really unique look and you know i i think for me personally as someone that grew up loving the draft i mean seeing what is said in kind of draft meetings and the build-up to it is you know one of the coolest parts of the process for us and you know credit to joe and his staff for kind of being comfortable with um you know cameras being in there to capture some of these cool moments yeah make no mistake about it seth bradley is a football junkie (laughs) uh especially around college football and your beloved penn state nittany lions Uh, how cool Mm -hmm. is that for you when either you or one of the guys or a few of the guys are in that room listening to joe the coaching staff all the scouts all the evaluators discuss position groups and, and certain players because you know the game inside and out, but just to hear the way the process works, how much do you enjoy it? And how tough is it for you to be like, oh, man, wow, that was really great sound, but we can't <laughs> include that in there. It's, it's definitely really cool, you know, because I think there's guys like you watch college football as just a fan and you're like, man, I, I love that guy or I think he I think he's great. And then you start to hear like a coach maybe start to dissect like what's you know not so great about the player or a scout, you know, giving, you know, their character um, evaluations or things like that. And you're like, man, like, you know, we're not going to take that guy for sure, you know. So um, but I th- but I think it's really cool. And, you know, I, I was telling somebody this the other day, it's like. The best part about this process is you feel the conviction in the room by the time they get to the draft and kind of seeing guys they like throughout the process. And I'll never forget last year, you know, we were in the, the meeting when they talked about Jermaine and, you know, hearing Joe talk about him. And then the minute, you know, it's past pick 10 and we selected Garrett and you kind of see Joe start to talk to Robert and say like, hey, like we can go get Jermaine. And we, we, we kind of had known how much they liked him throughout the process and it was it was one of those things from a storytelling standpoint. You're like, man, like I hope this trade goes through. Like I'm kind of like we're nervous, like capturing the moments because we're like, man, like if we somehow don't get them, like we know kind of like how we can tell this story. But it's it's just really kind of cool to see the conviction these guys have. And I think by the time 
you know, you get to the draft, fans might not really know like who our number one targets are and things like that. But I think you feel it in the building, like okay, like this is a guy like they really want. How important is music in what you do? Because you're just talking about Joe and the phone calls last year. You guys epically put that together. Um, but can you talk about music and then also your writing? Because is it essentially you or is other people as far as the staff's concerned, the writing? Because you talked about the narration with Rich Eisen. Yeah, I think the narration part of it is something that, you know, a lot of other productions won't necessarily tap into because writing for, you know, documentaries is very challenging. You know, I think NFL Films does it so well um, with Leif Shriver and, you know, it's it's kind of a signature to the way Hard Knocks does it and things like that. And I think anytime you're going to go and you're going to, you know, write scripts for, you know, stuff, the writing has to be good. You know, it's like I think you could – you can get to a spot where if it's bad writing, it becomes very like jarring for a viewer to watch. Right. So I think um, our crew does a great job. It's really you know me and and two others, um, Austin Siebel, Bobby Doherty. You know we work really you know hand in hand to write these scripts. Um, we kind of you know as you're going through an episode, you kind of say like okay, like we really need a transition line here. We can write creatively to this. Um, we can write a monologue. You know the the end monologue with to episode one was something that we had really kind of designed specifically for Rich Eisen. You know, it was one of those things where we kind of said like, Hey, like Rich is a diehard Jets fan. Um, we hear it every day on his radio show. Let's have a moment where he can kind of pay tribute to what this moment is like through his eyes. Mm. So I think it was, it was one of those things where that had, that couldn't be just anybody. It had to be rich. And I think that, you know, that was kind of a really cool moment in the show. But our guys do a great job, you know, writing these scripts. Um, and, and to me, music is everything because, you know, a piece of video is just is just video until it comes to life with the, you know, the emotion of music. So we'll spend a lot of time finding the perfect tracks, you know, for an episode. And sometimes you might cut a scene or you might do something. You might be like, the music just doesn't feel right here or like you know, we need to, we need something that's a little more captivating. We need something that's a little bit of a different tone. You know, I think even going back to, we talked about the diehards before it's like, you know, we use very unique music in in that documentary in particular, it had to be different because it was a different tone of, you know, a show. So I think everything's very calculated with this, you know, it, it takes a lot of time, you know, in terms of finding the perfect music for, for an episode, but you know, I think at the end of the day, you want to pull out the emotions of a viewer. You know, you want a, a viewer to have an emotional connection to a piece. And I think music is is the key to all of it. How painstaking can it be as far as setting up that perfect shot? And can you talk about Dan Spakowski and his kind yeah. of lead as far as yeah. how meticulous and how detailed he is? Um, a perfectionist as far as getting those shots and the perfect lighting and the perfect angle and the way we yeah. have to switch some things up sometimes. If, hey, maybe we did the interview with Joe in the field house, that means we got to take Aaron and put him in a different place. Yeah, Dan's the most talented person I've ever worked with. You know, we've we've been fortunate to work together now on, you know, a lot of these productions, even going back to like 2016, um, yeah, you, we we were on the Bilal Pal shoot together. Um, you were there, and you know I think back to some of those original like documentaries we did, and 
thinking about how far we've come production wise, you know, it's everything, every shot is very calculated to your point, you know, it's, but you also kind of have to be able to run and gun and adapt on the fly with the nature of like how fast paced sports is. So, but when I think back to, you know, what we were able to do the day Aaron arrived to the facility and the different shots we were able to capture and, you know, our crew was so prepared and, and that's to Dan's credit, you know, he, he's really like overhauled our, you know, production process over the, over the years, um, just to, in terms of the cameras we use, in terms of the equipment we use. And I think, you know, putting our cinematographers in the best possible spot. And I think, you know, thinking to one jet strive and a fan watches, you know, one of our game scenes, you know, I think the amount of different cameras we have going in one game, the location of each, it's all very thought out. It's all very planned. And I think, um, our goal with, you know, a show like One Just Drive is to give a fan a perspective of the game that they're not going to get anywhere else. And I think you might not even realize it as you're watching it, like how many unique camera angles and stuff we actually have and players mic'd up and cameras behind the bench and players in the locker room. But it's it, there's so much that goes into that part of it, and it's just countless hours of planning and preparation. And I think um, – but at the end of the day, too, you also have to have incredible talent in the building to kind of do – to pull this all off. And our crew, like I said, is is the best there is. You know, it's like I think, you know, if somebody looks at a production like Hard Knocks and they look at the credits at the end, they're going to see probably, you know, over 100 people in the credits, maybe more. Um, but with our crew, it's, you know, seven or eight people that are really, you know, punching above their weight every single day to make this happen. And, you know, you might go – from one shoot to another on a, on a moment's notice, you might only have 20 minutes to prepare for a shoot. But, you know, our goal all the time is to have everyone ready for, you know, whatever occurs and, and to do it to the best, you know, the highest possible production quality. So, you know, I think when you look at our productions over the years, they've obviously like steadily improved. And, you know, we've been, um, you know, more and more prepared for everything. But I think, you know, obviously, you know, you said it to Dan's credit, like we've really – to me, like we want to set the standard across the league in terms of what we're doing, and I think this production in particular does that. Do you think about uh, how far you've come and how far the group has come? Like you've been a Jets yeah. since sixteen, and, and maybe give a backstory as far as how the long form was introduced yeah. here. Yeah, this is a will be my tenth season with the Jets coming up, and I think the first couple years it was heavy focus on you know short form media. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, come like 2016, you know, Chris Gargano was our executive producer at the time. And he really kind of, you know, said, like, we need to strive to tell the stories of who these guys are off the field and, and under the helmet. And, you know, that's growing up, you know, my dream was to produce, you know, sports documentaries. I love 30 for 30s. I love, you know, ESPN films, you know, really hard knocks, everything. And I think it was just, you know, one of those things where, like, once we kind of opened that can of worms, like, we were going to go down this path, it was, you know, I think it really helped build the brand of the organization. You know, I, I was I was trying to tell somebody this the other day, and they were wondering why, like, we flashed back to, 
Joe and Robert's like first days as a jet in this past episode and things like that. And I was like, well, the story didn't start with Rogers. It started, you know, a couple of years ago. And I think if you go through even what one jet's drive is, you know, for the past five or six seasons, you kind of see the, the beginnings of the story. And I think that's the, the really cool part about like documentaries is it's, it's not really like we won't document, we'll document the 23 season, but it really was, it's really been building to this. Like the story kind of start. if somebody went back and watched like the past two years of One Just Drive or Flight 2021 and 2022, it's like you kind of see what's what's been happening here. And I think that's that's kind of the cool thing is, you know, we get an opportunity to tell these stories. And, you know, I, I really like my goal with 1JD Films was to create like a 30 for 30 style umbrella here that, you know, allowed us to tell, you know, do more than just one just drive, do more than flight. And we have some really unique stories coming out around the Hall of Fame and Brees Hall's, you know, road to recovery and things like that. So, and the diehards, as you mentioned. So there's, there's just a lot coming. And, you know, I think, you know, it's, for me growing up a sports fan, this has been a dream for me to like, be able to kind of like tell these stories and, and help this organization kind of, you know, build this brand. Give us a timetable on the Brees recovery <laughs> episode. Yeah. Because that's something new. Yeah. We haven't done that prior as far as an organization, as far as a content group yeah. to kind of chronicle somebody's rehab process. Yeah. Th- this project is probably the one I'm most excited about that we've ever done here because I think really? fans are going to get a really unique look at, you know, a recovery. And it's not just – it's months and months of shooting by our crew. You know, it's a credit to Brees who honestly, like we approached him, you know, in the season and we said kind of like, Hey, would you be open to us kind of like documenting your recovery? And he said, yeah. And, um, it really kind of started from there. You have to have buy-in from the player, but then you also have to have buy-in from the staff, you know? So Dave Zuffaletto, you know, his crew downstairs, the training staff has been all in on us kind of showing, Brees coming back and it's going to be a you know a documentary that you know comes out when he returns to the field because we need to be able to tell the story fully yeah um but I think you know fans are going to just it's just going to be more access than they've probably ever seen in terms of what it's like you know the long days um you know a, a rehab session lasts you know usually around like three hours and our crew will be in there the entire time um, you capture the struggle, you capture, you know, the moments, but we're also going to tell Brees' story, you know, uh, you know, I think that's the cool part is it's not just going to be the rehab, it's going to be who he is as a player. And obviously we saw, you know, how great of a player Brees, you know, is and can, can be in the league last year. And I think everyone was so devastated when he went down, but I think seeing his road back. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. I think it's going to be something very special for fans. All right, you've been really gracious with your time because you got to start getting after episode two. I, I got a couple quick ones before we get out of here. A lot of people are very interested in what you guys are doing right now. 
from the long form, the documentary style content and what an elite level this is produced at. And they're very interested as far as college kids or high school kids and saying, well, I want to get into that kind of industry. I want to get involved in production. With ever-changing content world, what kind of advice do you give people who are in college right now? And maybe can you shed some light on your background and how it helped you get to this point? Yeah. So I, I, graduate, I graduated from Penn State in 2008 and didn't really know what direction my career was going to go. Um, was fortunate to, you know, get hired by Guido D'Elia, who, you know, at, at Penn State, he's the the whiteout guru. He's kind of like the marketing genius behind all of that. And he really was a mentor to me um, and really kind of set my career on, on the right path. But, like, once I, you know, kind of started to um, – see what direction my career would go in terms of, you know, I always wanted to work in sports. I always wanted to be around football, you know, so I, you know, worked in college sports for a couple of years in the SEC and, and Penn State and, you know, obviously, and then get a job at the Jets in 2014. You know, I think for anybody that's coming out of college and, you know, looking for what's next, I think it's important to be open-minded. It's important to learn as much as you can. It's important to, you know, not necessarily be focused on where you're working, but what you're doing. You know, I think there's a lot, you know, I worked for a lot of like smaller companies, you know, prior to the Jets. And I think that's an important part of it is I think you can be like, I want to work for NFL films or I want to work for ESPN, but it, you might be a, you know, a small fish in a big pond there. You might not necessarily be like learning all the skills you need to, to do it. So I always tell people like, look at what a job description is for, you know, a position you might want five or six years down the road and start to kind of think about the skills you're learning, you know? So by the time you get to a spot where you want to apply somewhere that you can be doing that job, you have all the necessary tools to do, to do it. You know, I think, you know, first and foremost here is like, we're looking for, you know, ultimately the most creative people that are great storytellers. Cause I think, um, you know, a lot of people are, you know, great editors, great shooters, but I think combining all that to be able to tell a story is what's going to be the key, you know, and I think that's, um, that's really the, the biggest thing, but I, my biggest piece of advice is be ready to get turned down for a lot. I got turned down for a lot of jobs prior to, you know, coming to the Jets. I can't, I can probably name most of them, you know, and, and, you know, it was, it was hard at the time to take, but I think every lesson you learn from those is, you know, ultimately you're going to end up where you're supposed to be. And I think for me, like, it's obviously – it's just been a dream come true for me to be able to, like, work in the NFL. And, you know, we we want people here – and, you know, I'm sure you feel the same way that their dream is to be here. You know, you want to – you know, to me, like, every day driving in here, I still feel a little, little bit like, man, like, this is pretty cool. Like, I get to, you know, work for the Jets. And you have so many people that will, like, tell you, you know, wow, like, that must be, like, the coolest job. And it, it, it honestly is. It's a lot of long hours. Sports is hard. You work nights, weekends, holidays. But I think at the end of the day, you have to love what you do. And I think that's that's the biggest part of this. So I think um, anybody that wants to be in sports, like, just 
keep climbing, you know, be, be ready to get turned down, but then ultimately, like, just try to get your foot in the door somewhere. Your love shines through in your product. Uh, favorite shoots of all time as far as away from one Jets drive. What's got to be up there? Maybe top two or three. And then your favorite episodes. Does Rogers are already vault to one at this point? So do Man. shoots first and then do episodes. I'm putting you on the spot. You caught me off guard with this one. I, you know, I'm trying to think back. Uh, I mentioned the Bilal Powell shoot before. Um, that was one of the first big documentaries we did where it was, you know, he had an incredible backstory. He went through a lot as a kid, and I think he was one of the first to really kind of like opened up to us in terms of telling his story. And I think that's really the base of One Jet's Drive and everything else are kind of those documentaries we did before before that. Um, so it's kind of cool for me to even look back. Like we did a shoot at Josh McCown's house, which was – you know, somebody that's played for so many teams and, you know, things like that and had this crazy career. You know, I think Dan Spikowski has a picture of me holding all of his jerseys as a part of the production. Um, but it's – Josh came up to us after that came out and said, I can't tell you how appreciative I am of, of that. That's you cool. Know, of, of you guys doing this piece. But um, favorite episodes – that's a, that's a hard one. You know, we've I done, know it's we've like done picking so your favorite children, right? I mean, but <laughs> I, I'm putting you on the spot here. Um, I'd probably say episode four of Flight 22, um, just because you know there was so obviously so much build up to that draft, um, and it really kind of we got blessed by the doc gods that night where you know Joe trades up for Jermaine and we were able to kind of tell that story full circle. Um, it was so cool to see, and we had so many you know, big personalities in that, you know, episode with Sauce and Garrett, Jermaine, and then even national media, Adam Schefter, you know, Ian Rappaport, there were so many others a part of that, you know, production process. I think it was really cool. But um, honestly, like, there's probably so many, like, One Jets Drive episodes I can go back to and and think about, you know, they were my favorite in their own way. But um, obviously, like, I think the, you know, the episode with, with Aaron from this past week is, is going to be up there just because of – you know, what it meant for, for everybody and the excitement around the fans. All right, man. Well, you got a lot of work to get after. Episode two is going to chronicle the 2023 New York Jets draft. And then 90% of episode three, Flight 23 yeah. Ascension, still yet to be shot. So you, you, yeah, got we, got, we got a ways to go here. It's like, I think people probably think we take a breath after, you know, episode one, but we're our, our crew's grinding back there, so there's two good episodes to come. Thanks, brother. Thanks, yeah.